Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, it's been a long road without you, my friend. 
and I'll tell you all about it when we see you again. You are not the you're not the you're not the absent friend. You I we will tell Mark Grunewald all about it. Yeah, I'm not Paul Walker. No. We're talking about our friends. We feel like we've gotten to know him. We've been through 10 years of his Captain America run. And we're closing the book on it. And you know what, Chris? This is close enough to the 4th of July that I think we can call this our America's Birthday episode. This is our Independence Day. (laughs) (laughs) Where we finish up the Mark Grunewald run on Captain America. That's right. We're going to be reading the last six issues of Captain America, written by Mark Grunewald, in uh, in this episode. And because it is the end of the road, it is the end of the run, we felt like it was necessary to devote the entire hour and a half, the entire 90 minutes of this episode, just to talking about these issues of Captain America. They're momentous. They're portentous. And they're eventful. Yeah, plus we needed to talk about the the crossing at the end. So we are going to, probably the last hour of the show is just going to be about the crossing. (laughs) So we're going to blow through the Captain America stuff real quick. And then, buddy, it's time to talk about Teen Tony at last. We will have to discuss uh, Teen Tony to a degree. We can also talk about how I... This happened a while ago, but I decided to read the initial Mark Wade issues of mm-hmm. Captain America. Operation uh, Mark, Yeah, Mark Wade's run on Captain America was in two parts because Heroes Reborn came in the middle of it. Yeah. But the the Mark Wade, Ron Garney run, because he was with working with Ron Garney for a lot of that. But the first section of the Mark Wade run on Captain America is weird, like the pre-Heroes Reborn stuff. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured we would talk. We would do. I, I figured that we'll do these last few issues, and then we'll kind of look back at Grunwald's run, what it did for the character, what he wanted to do, which is really interesting because in in his last issue he you know, comes in the letter column and he says, Hey, I've been writing Captain America for 10 years. This is my last issue. Uh, and, and talks a little bit about it. I, yeah, it is very sad that Mark Grumwald is no longer with us for many reasons, but the fact that he did not get a like back issue magazine, comics journal, uh, like multi-part interview about what he did at Marvel comics. And, specifically with Captain America, that's a real shame. That's a bummer. Captain America and Squadron Supreme. Squadron Supreme would also have been a key topic, I feel like. I feel like there's a lot of disrespect being thrown at uh, Wendell Vaughn, a.k.a. Quaze, right now. (laughs) It's true. I left out Quaze. You're like, nobody wants to hear about Quaze. (laughs) All right. Well, it's time. It's the last time you're going to hear this music. This royalty-free music I found that sounds kind of like it could be used in a Marvel Captain America project. Because we're going to talk about 
the last six issues of the Mark Wade Captain America run, starting right now. Captain America number 438 adds a new element to the cover that is already too busy. So in addition to that huge Captain America logo, which on Mm -hmm. this cover is orange and pink, which is a very funny color combination to start with, they've added along the top, in an odd font, the Star Spangled Avenger. There's too much on this cover. There's too much shit on on me. That's this entire (laughs) arc for Captain America. That's true. There's too much shit on me. (laughs) He he wouldn't say that. He'd say there's like too much guff. Yeah, I'm I'm covered in too much guff. Citizen. Too too much stuff and nonsense, citizen. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the font is weird because it kind of looks like the like like the Star Trek movie font a little bit until you look at it and then it looks like a store at the mall in 1987 yeah you know what it looks like it looks like the converse logo kinda yeah kinda, kinda. yeah i i think like like a 711 but like like a fake 711 yeah. Like you would see in in a movie. I I don't know why, but this this font makes me think sporting goods store. Oh yeah, it's big sporting goods energy. Yeah. <laughs> big sporting goods energy on this one, bud. Uh also on the cover, so the the cover itself is Captain America like jumping off a building, jumping down into an alley. Mm-hmm. And he is in his new Captain America armor. There is a blurb on the cover that says, without his new armor, he would lie paralyzed. With it, he intends to go out in a blaze of glory. Also, the corner box. This is the these are the new corner boxes that Marvel was experimenting with in the mid-90s. Where it's just the Marvel Comics logo, a logo of the line that the book was a part of. Yeah. So Captain America was part of the Avengers line, so there's an Avengers yeah. logo. Basically, it was the logo for what editorial office it was in, which is very funny. Yeah. And then in a black box, in like a serif font in the box, is the issue number and date. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not good. It's very busy. Yeah. It's if, not as compelling as the, just a regular corner box. Like, yeah. why get rid of corner boxes? <laughs> well, it's weird because there's like a transparency to it. And there's, I, there's, it's smaller, I think, because it doesn't have the comics code symbol there anymore. The comics code symbol has been moved. To the top right, yeah. So it looks like it's, hey, maybe we can show a little more art here. But then this particular comic has the largest and worst logo. It's it's a weird cover design. It's a very weird cover design. It's Marvel Comics and uh, and I disagree on what Marvel Comics should be doing. Obviously, 
<laughs> there was a brief period where we agreed. And now we no longer do. But they should bring back the like the nineties the 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 corner box before this one. Like the Yeah. The after Marvel Comics Group pre this corner box with the the classic Marvel Comics logo. That old Marvel Comics logo is so fucking good. And it the, nothing says comics like that logo. But I don't think we're ever going to see it again. I don't think so either. Every once in a while they do bring back the corner boxes, but it's almost like it's just as like a retro throwback. It's yeah. it's not so much a ever going to be a permanent design thing again. I yeah. don't think. We wanted it uh, for X-Men 92, but they didn't give it to us for some mm-hmm. reason. Too bad. Yeah. Let's get into the issue. As so many issues of this run do, especially issues that start story arcs, we begin with Cap training. Like, how many stories in this run start with Captain America on a training course? He loves to train. He loves to bust out those weird monkey bars they have at Avengers Mansion. He really does, yeah. Yeah. And I love that. That's that's another thing that's like very Marvel comics to me. Like I surely there are DC comics that open with people doing gymnastics on those weird monkey bars. But so many issues of Captain America, so many issues of Avengers, so many issues of X-Men yeah. opened with that. Yeah. That, that is again, nothing says Marvel comics like that to me. I mean, you you see Batman working out every once in a while, but like you don't really see DC Comics heroes training the way you always see Marvel heroes working out. That work. Yeah, they put in the work. So yeah. th- there are narration boxes on these first two pages of Captain America explaining how six hours earlier he was completely paralyzed, and that is where we left him at the end of the previous issue. And, but Tony Stark implanted some neuroreceptors in him, and now he has been rigged with an exoskeleton, the armor that he is wearing, so that he can move now. So, six hours out from having been paralyzed, Captain America in this army armor that looks like his regular costume, but like just like bulkier and with some 90s design elements, like the wings are sharp. Now sharp wings. Yeah. (laughs) Just six hours later, he's up training with Iron Man and Giant Man. Yeah. I do. A a thing that I appreciate about this run about Mark Grunewald in general uh, is that I do like that. He's not exactly. He definitely isn't coming out and saying it, but like there is a thing of like, Oh yeah, like didn't this same thing happen to Tony Stark like six months ago? <laughs> like Tony Stark also had I Armor Wars too, where he got trapped <laughs> in his, where he couldn't move and had to control his armor with neuroreceptors. This does raise the question though of why Tony Stark just doesn't build armor suits for all the Avengers. But you know, you can't start you can't start shoving the pyramid over. That's true. The title page is a two-page splash of more training. And we get the title of the issue, which is The Bombs Bursting in Air. 
all of the titles of all six of these last issues of the run are going to be lyrics from the Star Spangled Banner. Yes, uh, which, if you're going to name an action story after lyrics from a national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner is a good one. Uh, I think it is a Sam Kinison joke uh, of we are the only country whose national anthem talks about rockets and bombs. <laughs> There's a lot of action in, in the national anthem. The, the, uh, the American identity was has been set for 200-some years, yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, bud. You ain't kidding. Uh, the, the thing is, though... You do run out eventually when the story goes on as long as it does, and you end up with the last issue of the run being called Broad Stripes and White Stars. Oh, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Uh, Also, Dave Hoover is the artist on the issue, as he will be through the end of of Mm -hmm. the run. Um, So at one point, Cap gets knocked over by a... Iron Man repulsor ray. He accidentally gets hit and he gets knocked over and Iron Man's or giant man's like, are you okay? And cap says, yeah, actually weirdly I am. And Iron Man's like, well, let me check on you and make sure everything's all right. But that's when cap's like, nah, I got to go and pieces are right the fuck out of there. (laughs) Yeah. Here at the end of the run, look, he's going through a lot, but cap is kind of, Cap's kind of become a bit of a jerk <laughs> in some ways. Well, what he tells Iron Man and Giant Man is, no time, men. I've got too much to do with what's left of my life, which will be a theme through these last few issues, where Cap- Captain America keeps telling people he can't do things because he's got to make the most of the time he has left. We get one of the... I, I don't want to jump ahead, because we'll get there, but please remind me that in the last issue of the Grunwald run, we get one of the funniest and most like what a dick examples of that. Then we cut to Washington DC where we run in once again to our old friend, the best of the best flag, flag smasher. I love his costume. It's the best. There is a letter in these issues where someone is like, Flag Smasher is the coolest design ever. And that person is wrong. (laughs) But they're not as wrong as you might think. I love Flag Smasher's belt that has the black and white picture of his little black and white championship belt that Uh he has. Uh Is mwah. Mwah. I love it. I like that he's supposed to be like, I represent all the countries of the world, but his... His belt just has North and South America on it. Yeah, he represents the Mercator projection, baby. So he's talking to his ultimatum guys, who I guess are back with him now, even though they betrayed him earlier in the run because they were working for Red Skull. And these are they, probably new guys. They right? might be new guys. Yeah, they're probably new guys. Probably new guys. So they bring in uh, this real, real, real quick, Matt. Since yeah. since we brought up the fact that these are new guys, which of the villains slash villainous organizations depicted in the Grunwald run would you most like to hench for? Hmm. Well, let's take the Watchdogs right out of the equation. Watchdogs, 
the bottom of the fucking list. Bottom of the fucking list. Do you yeah. not agree with them or their policies? Oh, I know who I would want to be in. The Serpent Society. Okay. Yeah, easy. The Serpent Society. I mean, the main benefit to the Serpent Society is if you go to jail, Sidewinder gets you out. Do you often find yourself in jail, Matt? I mean, if I was working with the Serpent Society, probably. I mean, that's a good... That's a good... That's a real kind of chicken and egg situation, though. <laughs> yeah. Kind of serpent and egg situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think any group in this run that I would find myself working for would probably lead to some jail time. I, like, I think Watchdogs and Skeleton Crew at the bottom. Yeah, they're no good. Serpent Society probably close to the top. Flag Smasher, you get those cool outfits. Ultimatum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimatum, yeah. yeah. The Underground Liberated Totally Integrated Mobile Armor to Unite Mankind. I feel like being an AIM guy is like dead center of the list. Like, mm. there are probably benefits to being an AIM. But it also seems kind of boring. Well, at this point in time, you also get, you have the island. Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. You have the island where you have supervillain CES every uh, every year, which is fun. I would not it, currently be able to work for Superior. Yeah. What other groups are there? I mean, I think that's uh, one of the many street gangs where your name would have to be like, like Catcher's Mitt. Yeah. <laughs> Or 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 oxhorn or something. Yeah, motor blade. Motor blade is actually pretty good. You could. Uh, here's my number one, and you're going to kick yourself for not thinking of it. Okay, Batrox Brigade. Oh yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. not anyway. major players in this run, but not major good. players in the run, but they did show up in the Bloodstone Hunt. They did. Yeah, yeah. So. Ultimatum has kidnapped one of the kids who runs Captain America's network of they were like a phone network and but Flag Smasher calls them computer hackers here. Mm-hmm. And hilariously the kid says, Who are you supposed to be? Space Ghost? He does look like Space Ghost. He does have that toth design to him, which is probably why the- he's so fucking cool. That was what we said when Flag Smasher first appeared, is he had like a Space Ghost like design. Yeah, man, he's just this this kid's just like us for real. He's just like us. Flag Smasher tells the kid, his name is Gavin, that Ultimatum is a serious threat. We want to get rid of all governments, and I want you to contact Captain America and tell him that you're here. So that's where we leave that. Uh, then we cut to uh, Jack Flag and Free Spirit getting on the plane with Moon Hunter. We just check in with them very briefly. Yeah, just checking in with checking in with Moon Hunter. That also could have been the name of this series. That's true. Um, but they they find out about Flag Smasher. Uh, cause Cap, Cap is busy. Uh, also, uh, Bernie Rosenthal is going to some creepy, weird haunted house. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So we see that for just a second. Back to Flag Smasher for a second. More kind of speechifying from a Flag Smasher as Jack Flag and Free Spirit and Moon Hunter are on their way. And so they arrive in a Quinjet at Ultimatum's headquarters. We we get a nice reminder that uh, Flag's Ultimatum's flying skis were not just for when they were in a ski-appropriate environment. Right. They are just what these dudes have now. Yeah, they fly. Which I love, because they had flying skis because they were in the snow. And then it's like, well, we've got these. (laughs) Right. Now it's our thing. Yeah. So, at first, Flag Smasher thinks this is Captain America arriving. But the Ultimatum guys quickly discover that... Captain America is not on this Quinjet, and in fact, nobody they recognize is. These are just some jabronis. Yeah. And so just like, who's this blowjob? <laughs> <laughs> and so Flag Smasher's like, okay, fine, just get rid of them. And they take down the Quinjet, and Flag Smasher's like, I can never get Captain America to take me seriously. This is the last straw. We're going to destroy Washington. But Captain America intercepts that message and does finally show up in Washington and fight off all these ultimatum dudes who who shoot rockets at the White House. <laughs> he wants to smash flags, man. He does. He does. Uh, Captain America quickly makes sure that Jack Flag and Moon Hunter and... Free Spirit are okay. And he flies over them, and they're like, hey, who was that? Iron Man? Yeah, you know, Iron Man with his famous blue armor with the star on it. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess I, like, it, okay, Iron Man in their defense. Lots of changes in armor. So, okay, fine. And, and later he did. He did have blue armor with a star on it. When he was Iron Patriot. That was Norman Osborn. Oh, I but Tony Stark wore that armor too. At some did point. he? I'm pretty sure. But you're right; it was Norman Osborn first, I think. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Iron Patriot. He was. Oh, it never was Tony Stark, but it was multiple people. So okay. I'll concede uh, the point. Uh, I take it back. It was never Tony Stark, but it was multiple, multiple people. Including Sharon Carter. Anyway, Captain Captain America comes bursting into where Flag Smasher is hiding out. And Flag Smasher's like, Motherfucker, you're not Captain America. (laughs) Wouldn't it be wild if after like nine and a half years of this run, if Flag Smasher just dropped Motherfucker in this comic? And and Cap is like, no, I'm him. And Flag Smasher says, Captain America doesn't wear armor, and you have like a robotic voice. And uh, Captain America just finally like uses some of the tools of the suit to uh, envelop other members of Ultimatum. In particular, he uses the Milex Shroud. This is 
two things about this. One, I feel like this is a kind of comic that we don't get anymore, which is the, hey, here's all my powers. Yeah. Uh, like, just in case, like, here's a new thing, and so I'm going to go use all my powers and abilities so that we can, you know, you can have them in your head, and we can establish the rules, which a, kid, like, a guy like Flag Smasher is perfect for. Because he's got a bunch of goons that you can beat up in various different ways. And then you can be done with him and move on to the more important thing. Um, the other thing, do you want to talk about the Milek Shrouds? Because I am I am obsessed with the Milek Shrouds. Here's my thing about the Milek Shroud. What does it do? <laughs> okay, this is low Is key. it like sar- Saran Wrap? Is he Saran Wrapping bad guys? <laughs> This is low-key the funniest thing Mark Grunewald has done in this entire run, and I will tell you why, Matt. Okay. I believe that Mylar is a brand name. It is a copyrighted name, like Xerox, Kleenex, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I suspect that Grunewald wrote this as Mylar, and then they were like, oh no, you've got to change it, because Mylex does not exist. I looked it up. My likes is not a thing. Yeah. So in the nineties, Captain America is wrapping stuff up in Mylar. He's fucking bagging and boarding them, dude. <laughs> it's Grunwald clearly being like, this is what people do with comics. I cackled. When I saw this, like, I never a, put a, that together. That is, that is a hundred percent what it is. Yeah, yeah. A thing we can't stress enough: Captain America's a square. Mark Grunewald's funny as hell. <laughs> I think it's probably a combination of like mylar and latex. Yeah, or something so. like that. I didn't even think about that. That is what it is. He's he's yeah. bagging and boarding these guys. <laughs> he's shooting out these sheets of like clear plastic that he's wrapping these guys up in. And it, and it's non-lethal. They're protected. It's fully just bagging and boarding your enemies. Oh, that's funny. That it's is very, very funny. funny. After Cap uses the Milex shroud on some ultimatum guys, Flag Smasher is just, just like, you don't take me seriously. I'm setting off an explosive that's going to blow us all up. And Captain America then grabs the the hostage, the teenager, and gets him out of the building. And Flag Smasher apparently dies for the cause here. Like, it looks like he's blown himself up the whole top of this building. Ba- Baroom explodes. Very ironic for Flag Smasher to uh, die due to an ideology. He That's right. Those. He he tells Captain America, this is his line, in seven seconds, you and I are a bonfire of ideologies. <laughs> a wild thing to Flag say. Smasher. Yeah. Uh, Flag so Smasher, that, that one issue where Flag Smasher is like, hey, I hate America. <laughs> and the crowd's like, boo. <laughs> and he's like, hang on. 
I also hate Russia. And the crowd's like, yay! <laughs> what a great character. So Cap comes out uh, with the hostage, and Free Spirit is out there. And Cap uh, Cap is once again rude. Because Free Spirit's like, what happened? Why are you dressed like that? What's going on? And Cap just says, I have to go put out a fire. I'll talk to you when I'm done. Rude. He has never seemed more like he is from the older generation than in this, because he's acting exactly like my mom does. (laughs) (laughs) My mom will call me and then be like, oh, did I tell you I was in the emergency room last week? She's fine, as far as I know. Okay, good. that that, That has also happened with my mom, although... More recently, she has let me know when, as things are happening, <laughs> if there's a problem. Lucky you. Yeah. Um, anyway, after Cap helps put, put out the fire, he gathers up all of his buddies, all of his crew, together in one place. So it's Free Spirit, Jack Flag, Moon Hunter, Fabian, his tech guy. And then, weirdly... This guy, Arnie, who, to my recollection, has has not appeared once in the run before this. Yeah, I am unfamiliar with Arnie, Arnie Roth. Yeah. And we have read all of this comic. But Arnie is here to, like, he's like, seemingly somebody Cap knew during World War II. Like, he's he's an older gentleman. And he lets Cap know that he has bone cancer. And so the last panel of the issue is Cap and Arnie hugging. And it seems like this is Grunwald putting in a character for Cap to like, to to be a parallel to Cap as he's going through his health problems. Arnie Roth first appears in Captain America 268, so he predates the Grunwald run. Okay. I, I don't think he had been in this run at all before this I point. do not believe so. Yeah. He's not a character I'm particularly familiar with, even though, yeah, yeah clearly he had appeared before uh, this. Apparently, he is one of the one of the first openly gay characters in Marvel Comics. Okay. Which first appears in 1982. Okay. So that's, that's saying something. Uh, also, he did show up in Cap 350. Oh, all but right. Not, I, not in the main story. He was I in the backup. Believe. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Captain America number 439. The cover on this one, uh, no background, just green with some speed lines. But we see Cap still armored up, holding Bernie Rosenthal. His shield is on the ground. She is, like, passed out. And there's a dark, cloaked, and hatted figure (laughs) behind the both of them with glowing hands held out. The blurb on the cover says, Death Stalker stalks the the Sentinel of Liberty as he unravels the mystery of the new Super Patriot. Tim. And the diabolical Dead Ringer. TM. The title of this issue is, Or the Ramparts We Watched. Which is not one of the more exciting lines from the Star Spangled Banner. 
No, but it's got it's got rampart, which is a cool word. Rampart is cool. It's an action sounding word. We don't have time in America to say the letter V. So we, we gotta be like or. I've ne'er ever said it in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this issue starts with Nighthawk. But you didn't know you were gonna see Nighthawk. From the Squadron Supreme. That's right. Being chased by the Falcon. To my recollection, this doesn't ever like really get resolved. What's going on with Nighthawk? Well, Does it? Yeah, it's he's Dead Ringer. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I I remember that now. So we, get, uh, we see Falcon's new costume, which is bad. Yeah, it's bad. And he he sees a fellow fly guy, which is a very funny thing to call a dude who can fly. <laughs> Because uh, look, that's th- that's just the the Matt. This is the new direction of the podcast. That's just the anti male bias in media. Because if you want to be a fly guy, you got to have wings. If you want to be a fly girl, all you got to do is dance. <laughs> so we're gonna be like like bros from the early nineties. Yeah, we're just gonna be a couple of alpha males talking about how high value we are. But and only you know value because we know everything that happened in the Mark Grunewald run on Captain America. But only when it comes to stuff in the early nineties, from the early nineties. I mean, look, my my references are dated because I'm forty years old, Matt. Hey, why is Spike Lee in these Nike ads? <laughs> Nike is going woke. <laughs> oh man, does that mean okay? Does that mean Levi's <laughs> Levi's five hundred ones are also woke? Because of Rob Liefeld, <laughs> Spike Lee directed that commercial. Oh, that's right, and yeah. appears in it. That's right. And yeah. Rob designs a Spike Lee character. I forgot about that. Rob Liefeld went woke, nineteen ninety two. Folks, this is not a this is not a this is not an alpha male podcast. No, it never will that be. Was just, that was just a joke. That is, I would literally, I I would rather walk into the sea. I do think it's funny to talk about how things from the early '90s were woke, though. That is That's very funny. Fern Gully woke. So anyway, Dead Ringer in the guy. Bobby Roth appearing in Marvel Comics in 1982 woke. Yeah. Dead Ringer in the guise of Nighthawk. Blasts uh, like a incendiary device through an apartment window and causes a fire, enabling him to escape from the Falcon. I love this because, like you said, like it's not that we don't get a resolution to this; it's that the Falcon doesn't get a resolution to this. So I imagine the next time he sees Nighthawk, he's like, "Bro, what the fuck? Hey, why'd you set that apartment on fire?" <laughs> What the fuck is going on? Uh, then we get our intro scene at uh, the Brooklyn Heights stronghold of Captain America, uh, where Free Spirit and Jack Flag are training. So more characters are training uh, once again here. Fabian is sitting around watching them eating popcorn, and Captain America is talking to Valentina de la Fontaine on loan from shield. And that is the exact wording. Yeah. 
there's more working out happening. Oh yeah, there's there's like a sparring match going on, and I'm gonna say this page in particular is some of the most impressive Dave Hoover art. It's got a nice flow to it. There's, you know, the uh, the rule to keep in mind if you're writing comics is like a panel is generally one thing happening. But there's a nice flow to this page where uh, Free Spirit and Jack Flag are training, and then as you move to the right, you know, as you read left to right, you've got Fabian kind of hanging out watching and having his own thoughts. Then you've got Cap and uh, Peggy and uh, the Contessa. Uh, Chris Evans, Chris Evans, Haley Atwell, and uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus mm-hmm. hanging out. The, Valentina de la Fontaine is shoving her butt directly at the camera. That that is definitely happening here. Not happening yeah, it's, here, but it's still 1995, baby. <laughs> Clearly, the Contessa and Cap are planning some kind of mission. They're looking at a map and they're talking about needing diversions and robots, and how Colonel Fury is going to give Cap as much ordinance as he can get. But then there's a call that comes in. Peggy answers stars and stripes and we're going to find out what that's all about in a bit. But now we cut to Bernie Rosenthal who has cursive text boxes for her narration. Cause this is 10 years after or nine years after Batman year one, but (laughs) people still love those cursive text boxes. Cursive text boxes are bad. They're bad. They're hard Stop to read. using them. They're hard to read. Like, if you want to do something, do the Jim Gordon text boxes from year one. So what we're going to find out is that haunted looking house that Bernie was going to last issue is actually where the new Super Patriot is, hi- is hiding out. And Bernie lets him know that she found him by hiring a private detective. And he says, look, uh, I know I fucked up. I know I committed crimes. So you want to help me, but I don't deserve your help. And you shouldn't represent me in court. So he he takes his mask off and reminds us all that he's Mike Farrell, who, boy, some real bad stuff happened to Mike Farrell over the course of this run, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) He yeah, but joined, he's, had a, he's had a rough go of it. He joined the Watchdogs, which caused him to go completely broke when he... I mean, he did turn on the Watchdogs eventually when he realized that they were too bad even for him. Uh, but he like lost his apartment and went broke. So he became Super Patriot because he blamed Cap for what happened to him. Meanwhile, uh, Nighthawk arrives and reveals that he is indeed a uh, dead ringer. And we get a little bit of what's going on with dead ringer and super Patriot's relationship where dead ringer has become very controlling of super Patriot. And he's like, what happened to you, man? You used to have some fire. You used to have something behind what you were doing. And now you've gone soft. And super Patriot's like, yeah, man, I don't want to do this anymore. This is actually something that I think is really interesting because 
I, I know that I, I'm not sure that we adequately explained our feelings about like the Red Skull Mother Knight stuff uh, with their abusive relationship and how how like cartoonishly evil it is. But I I like this as a contrast because it is Grunwald writing a much more subtle depiction of an abusive relationship. And I think it would fly under a lot of people's radar because it's, you know, two dudes. But, like, it's very much, like, those are the elements being hit in this story in a much more subtle and, like, much more realistic and much more, like, you know, controlling way than the Red Skull being like, I like abusing my girlfriend because I'm evil. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally saying that phrase, I believe. After that, Falcon goes and visits Cap, and it seems like he's going to go tell Cap, like, hey, uh, there's some weird shit going on with uh, with Nighthawk. <laughs> hey, you remember Nighthawk from Squadron Supreme? But it is clear here that Falcon knows that it's Dead Ringer. Like, he's identified that this is Dead Ringer. Okay. And so that's okay. that's why Falcon is talking to Cap. But the whole conversation just comes becomes about how Cap is wearing this armor, and Falcon's like, what is going on? Cap explains his situation to Falcon, and then he goes, but don't, don't pity me. Don't you dare pity me. And Falcon's like, okay, I'm sorry. I... I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to what to think. <laughs> like, d- don't you think you could ask somebody else if they could do something for you? And uh, Cap kind of shrugs it all off. Like, dog, don't you know Reed Richards? Yeah. Uh, then we get a scene with Superior and Diamondback. And Superior is like, hey, that cure for Captain America I promised you, uh, I think I got it. But it needs to be tested on somebody who has super soldier serum in their blood, and that's you. So I'm going to test it on you. Yeah. Diamondback uh, also has another new haircut, uh, which is cool and punky, but not quite as good as the not quite as good as the undercut. It's weirdly 80s. It's just very new wave. Yeah. It's 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 sort of dated even by the time of this comic, uh, strangely. Dave Hoover draws a truly bananas cheesecakey panel of Diamondback in this with the the most like Jack Cole porno cartoon boobs. Yeah, they defy gravity. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like it is like old school horny pinup drawing. Uh, then we cut back to Bernie and Super Patriot and Dead Ringer, and that's when we find out that Dead Ringer has a big box full of fingers. Hey, Matt, have you been wondering if Dead Ringer was like a nasty little freak? <laughs> I mean, he's been a nasty little freak the whole time, but now we know for sure he's a nasty little freak. He's a real nasty little freak. Bernie and Super Patriot are like, this is a weird hobby, man. <laughs> Yeah, look, I know that your power involves you needing to touch a dead person in order to take their powers, but this is fucked up. Yeah. And Dead Ringer's like, yeah, I'm nasty. <laughs> I don't need to explain anything to you. Let me have my fingers. 
fucking dead ringer. Captain America then ditches Falcon. Just ghosts him. He does that a lot. Yeah. He's not a great friend. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Steve Rogers in this run, which is 10 years, which is a significant amount of time of the character's existence. It's a pretty significant percentage is as bad a friend as Peter Parker. Yeah. Agreed. But like Peter, nobody knows that he's Spider-Man, right? So he's to just ditch them to go do Spider-Man shit. Captain America doesn't even have that excuse. He's just ditching people left and right here. It's, it's not a good example of being a friend for sure. There's another quick training sequence. It's one page where Jack Flag and Free Spirit are fighting Fabian, who is inside like a big mech suit. And they find Arnie Roth passed out, and he says he needs to get to the hospital. There's more of Dead Ringer being a huge fucking weirdo. We get his origin story. Yeah, he's yes, we do. So Bernie and Super Patriot, Mike. Mike, yeah, Mike Farrell, are talking about like they're whispering each to each other about like what's the what the fuck is up with this guy? <laughs> he's and Mike, and he's Super nasty. Patriot, he's nasty. Super Patriot is or is like I guess he's a mutant or something. I don't know what's going on. And Dead Ringer overhears them <laughs> and says, "Look." When I was a kid, I came home from school and my dad was lying on the kitchen floor. He had died of a heart attack. And I I touched him. I don't know why. I just I just touched him. And I turned into my dad. And, Including his clothes. Yeah. And, you know, that was weird. But I became obsessed with the idea. So I started going to funerals and I would touch the bodies at funerals. And I would become those people. And then I started grave robbing because I started collecting the obituaries of superhumans who were killed. And that's 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 the deal with Dead Ringer. You think Dead Ringer ever like turned into a scroll and was then like, oh boy, <laughs> don't know what to do about this, but uh, just going to pretend that one didn't happen. This is too much at once. I thought I was going to be Electra today. As soon as Dead Ringer finishes giving his origin story, Cap comes bursting in through a wall. Doesn't even go through the window. He comes in through the wall. And uh, Dead Ringer immediately then turns into uh, whatever the name was from the cover. Death Star. <laughs> yeah, de- yeah. And he's got like the hat and the cloak and all of that stuff. And he tries to capture him in the Milek Shroud and it doesn't work. It goes through him. Yeah. And then Cap starts ringing, reading him the his Miranda rights. <laughs> he tells him he has the right to remain silent. I don't... I mean, those are good rights to keep in mind. But I don't... like. I know there was a time when Batman was a deputized lawman. In the 60s. Yeah. Is, 
I mean, like, Cap's an Avenger, and they are, like, a quasi-government... Like, they have, you know... The Avengers Identicard is signed by the, uh... By the National Security Chief. But, like... Is, is Cap a cop? I, I hope not. I, I mean, I feel like the whole point of AmeriCop was to be a counterpoint to Captain America. God, Matt... Here's how wild this run is. I fucking forgot about America. Yeah, man, America. Anyway, yes. Dead Ringer turns into Deathstalker, and Cap remembers that Deathstalker died fighting Daredevil. I like and, this because Cap's like Deathstalker. That guy fight Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> like something like that. And Dead Ringer reveals that he became Deathstalker because he wants to touch Captain America and kill him so that he could become Captain America. That is a good, like, the panel where he's like, yeah, I'm done being all these dudes who died because they suck. I want to be Captain freaking America. That's a good, like, that's a good panel. Like, that's a good bit of motivation. I feel like that could have been the premise of an entire story. But what we've got right here is some real overbooked nonsense. There's just so much going on. Yeah, so he he does eventually get Captain America with the death touch, but it doesn't work because Captain America is wearing metal armor. So it's it's no good. So then he's like, okay, I'm going to use the death touch on Bernie Rosenthal instead. But Super Patriot stops him and says... We've done a lot of low things, but we've never killed. And Dead Ringer's like, you fucking idiot, you touched my hand. <laughs> that that part, also great. Yeah. And so you, Super Patriot just falls to the ground. And that gives Captain America the chance to defeat Dead Ringer using his compressed air cannon. Like he's cleaning a keyboard. Bernie then comes over. And uh, talks to Mike, and is like, uh, "And Mike, you saved my life, so so we're going to call an ambulance." So the last page of the issue is three different characters laid out. So Super Patriots laid out, Arnie's laid out in the hospital, and Diamondback is laid out on a gurney about to be administered Superior's supposed antidote for. Captain America's super soldier serum problem. Captain America number 440 has an even busier cover. <laughs> There's just so much. Uh, the action of the cover is Captain America, Falcon, Free Spirit, and Jack Flag swimming. They're just like. Uh, by the way, the same font that says the Star Spangled Avenger was also on the cover of Avengers at this time that said Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So it is like a brand thing. Okay, okay. They're all swimming on the cover. There's a logo for the story arc, which runs through this book and Avengers at the time. It's taking aim. And right under the issue number is a blurb that says, Cap leads Free Spirit, Falcon, and Jack Flag in the Avengers. First strike against aim. So this is what Cap and the Contessa were planning at the start of the previous issue. Yeah, so not only not only is this I guess we're no longer in fighting chance, but we kind of still are. 
Because yeah, we're still feels- dealing with the thing of Captain America being in his suit of armor and his impending death. I feel like Fighting Chance is these last six issues, but the only issue that indicates that it's Fighting Chance is the first one. Yeah. But all these issues still have the Star Spangled Banner story titles. Yeah. So I think it's all part of Fighting Chance, even if it's not labeled as such. Uh, This issue, by the way, is called Dawn's Early Light. And it starts with Cap going to visit his old buddy D-Man. Down in Zero Town. Down in Zero Town. In the in the caves under Manhattan. He goes and he finds D-Man. And he's like, hey, I'm going on a mission to take out AIM. You want to D- join up? You want to come help me? And D-Man's like, nah. D-Man, I- a.k.a. Jacked Ginger Jesus. <laughs> he's... He's really got that look. He's yeah, living in the caves underground with the night people has really agreed with D-Man, who is shredded and has grown out this magnificent head of hair. Hey, it's wild the difference between 1995 D-Man and 1998 D-Man, isn't it? Yeah. Like D-Man, when he wore his little hat and had to come, come up through the sewer to get some food from Jarvis? Yeah. D-Man here is like jacked underground Jesus who's like I have to it's my job to help all these people and and I am their protector. And then by the time Avengers rolls around in 1998, Kurt Busiek Avengers run, there are jokes about how nobody wants to sit next to him because he smells bad. That might D-Man. be the, that might be the worst thing Kurt Busiek ever wrote. Those yeah. jokes about how D-Man is homeless. Look, none of us like D-Man, but you aren't allowed to have people in the comic not like D-Man. But it, what, the joke wasn't even that they didn't like him. It's that he, he was homeless, so he smelled bad. Yes. Yeah. That I mean, sucks. It's, it's rough. Yeah. I, I doubt Kirbyzik would write that joke today. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was the Attitude Era, man. Yeah. By the way, that's not me defending Kirby music. That's me referencing the Honky Tonk Man saying that he did something in the Attitude Era that <laughs> what he did in like in like 1989. D-Man turns Cap down. Falcon goes and finds Jesse Black Crow on a basketball court on the blacktop, and is going to recruit him for the mission. Free well, he spirit. Wants to, he, he wants to recruit him to help Captain America. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. He's he's going to try to get him to heal Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack Flag and Free Spirit and Fabian are hanging out with Arnie Roth by his bedside, but they leave to go on Cap's a mission as well. Everybody gets briefed by Nick Fury, who is uh, smoking. In this issue, this is back when Marvel characters were still allowed to smoke, which got a lot of guff for it. Joe Casada was right; these <laughs> are cartoon you... characters for children; they shouldn't be smoking. Yeah, like, wh- like, what is the point of them smoking? Yeah, and it's it is weird to me now after 
20 years of Marvel characters not being allowed to smoke. Because, like, like, Gambit smoked like a chimney. You know? Like, the X-Men were always smoking, which is a bad idea. I mean, Wolverine smoked. Yeah, Gambit didn't have a healing factor, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, The Thing smoked. Wolverine smoked. Nick Fury smoked. Like, Nick Fury got the Infinity Formula, but, like, Gambit should not be smoking. True. Uh, anyway, it's weird to me to see like Jim Gordon smoking in comics now. Like new comics. It's very weird. So Nick Fury briefs everybody about this mission. They're all going to go to Aim Island and try to s- stop whatever's happening there because Nick Fury is pretty sure that they have the Cosmic Cube. There are energy signatures coming from Aim Island that are similar to the Cosmic Cube. Then he just drops out of the jet <laughs> and is like, bye. Yeah, he just walks out of an airplane. Yeah, he says, gotta bail, good luck, you yahoos. <laughs> and he, like, pops like a, like a gliding suit to, to, to glide out of there. Captain America and Nick Fury, similar in many ways. Then we we cut to the island. Aim guys are hanging out, uh, talking about like how they got to get ready for something. Volcanoes are erupting, uh, and then Modam shows up, and he's like, "Hey, hey, hey! We got stuff we got to do. Let's let's be on time here." And then we cut to uh, Mister Branex, the CEO of Aim. Mm-hmm. And and clearly they're all like gearing up for some big operation. Then we see that Superior is on her way here as well, who has with her Diamondback dressed as Snapdragon. Like Diamondback is going to Aim Island in the guise of Snapdragon. Comics are complicated. Comics are complicated. Snapdragon, the woman who threw her overboard and drowned her. And, and who then Diamondback murdered. Correct. Yes. We also get a quick scene of Cap and the gang back on the Quinjet getting their respirator devices to swim to Aim Island. And Fabian says to Cap, thanks for taking me on this mission, Cap. I won't let you down. And Cap goes, Cap? No Caparino or Capster? And Fabian says, not this time, sir. This is how you know this one's serious. Yeah, Fabian's gotten serious. It's it's no laughing matter anymore. They all swim to Aim Island. There are weird flares and eruptions happening. And we see that the Avengers have are also noticed these energy spikes, and they're having a briefing about it as well. So guess they're gonna show up next issue when it's Avengers. <laughs> Wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. you know who else is on Aim Island? The I fucking know. Red Skull. Fucking Red Skull in a weird fucking half-strife outfit. <laughs> in his super mid-90s tech uh, battle suit. And, and sporting a wild look. Like... 
this like the Red Skull from like Cap three fifty had kind of a menacing look, and now that we're like fully into the uh, Dave Hoover era of Captain America, he looks like the villain from like a Saturday morning cartoon. He looks like a dollar store action figure of the T eight hundred because he's he's all like colored wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. Uh, but he shoots right through an AIM agent, actually two AIM agents, and Free Spirit and Jack's flag see this happen. And then they realize that the AIM guys aren't actually human. They're like robots. So they put on AIM agent costumes to disguise themselves on AIM Island. Many would call those uniforms, but yes. Yeah, okay, uniforms. <laughs> the it's, scowl I can hear in your voice. It's comics, so they're costumes. Anyway, uh, Cap and Falcon find the, like, the big base on the island, but just as they're about to enter it, Cap gets hit with a energy blast and like knocked down and Falcon understandably starts freaking out about this. And he, he then cannot fight cat find cap and cap ends up on the ground paralyzed and uh, can't move. And that is when superior comes sneaking up in a big cloak, another character in a cloak. And she's like, all right, here's where I'm going to administer my antidote serum to you. And she just pulls out a syringe and starts squirting, squirting antidote into the sky. Captain America number 441. Shrinks the logo. <laughs> that logo is squished to 50%. <laughs> oh, but, but don't worry. It's going to make up for it because we also have... The same size, the Star Spangled Avenger. And we have the Taking AIM logo, which takes up a good chunk of real estate. Yeah. Uh, but on the cover is Cap in his regular costume, not the armor. And Bucky, surprisingly, being confronted by not Modam, but Modoc. Like, that's definitely. Modoc, not Modam, on the cover, right? Yes. Modam's got fucked up teeth. Right, yeah. Uh, what we're going to find out, because we missed an issue here, because part two of four of Taking Aim was in Avengers. This is Taking Aim part three of four. The The title uh, of this you issue... You didn't read all of Taking Aim? I, I am sad to say that I did not. <laughs> I don't think you're sad at all to say that. <laughs> Uh, the title of this feeling fine. Yeah, I am. In fact, feeling fine. Uh, the title of this issue is "Through the Perilous Fight," and we open with what's on the cover: Bucky and Captain America facing down Modok. But this version of Modok has legs, and this Modok does not skip leg day. This dude's got some chunky legs. Those are those are the biggest, most muscular legs any Modoc has ever had. He's colored in a way 
where he's like not wearing pants either. So they are like, I mean, he's Modoc, so he's like in the in the chair and everything. But like, he looks like he is naked in the chair, whereas he usually looks like he's wearing a little purple thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just beefy bare legs. Sun's out, guns out for Modoc. <laughs> So, so what we're going to discover, what's going to become very clear, is that this is a Captain America hallucination. This is what Captain America hallucinates Modok to look like. That's someone should bring it up. <laughs> this is Captain America's dream Modok. Just keep that in mind. Just know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Bucky and Cap fight Modoc for a little bit. There's some narration caption boxes where Captain America's like, none of this should be happening. What's going on? So Bucky gets shot through the chest by Modoc, and instead of dying, he just has a hole in his chest. And then he keeps fighting. He keeps fighting Modoc. And Captain America's like, boy, that's weird. Would have been wild if he like got his arm ripped off. <laughs> yeah. Finally, Captain America's like, I don't know who this Bucky is, but he did the the member the memory of the original proud. Eventually, he like falls off a cliff as part of this fight, like holding on to Bucky, and that's when he gets caught by Falcon, and Falcon uh, says. What's what's going on, and why don't you have your armor on? And Cap says, "A woman I believe to be superior gave me a shot of something. I was able, and I was able to move again." And Falcon's like, "That's fucking weird." And Cap's like, "Did you see Bucky?" And Falcon's like, "No, I did not see Bucky, who is dead." <laughs> <laughs> like, like, come on, Sam. That's not that weird. <laughs> for you Sam who can talk to birds uh, Free Spirit and Jack Flag have been captured by AIM because of course they have in the previous issue and so they're in AIM captivity and AIM is watching all the Avengers who are on the island like doing whatever they're doing and uh, Branex comes up and says, like, okay, get rid of these people. Get rid of the Avengers. Get rid of Superior. Get rid of all of them. Just hunt them all down. Uh, meanwhile, Superior and Diamondback, who, once again, is dressed as Snapdragon, are fighting a bunch of AIM guys as well and taking them down. We get some Hercules and Black Widow and... Uh, the Red Guardian, who is not really there. Because uh, yeah. what we'll find is these non-human AIM agents are posing as people that the people, the real people on the island know. They're like shapeshifters. And they yeah, can appear um, as people that other people know. Yeah, primarily they're appearing as people's, uh, like, dead or uh, lost loves. Yeah. And Bucky. And Bucky. And Modoc. Nobody wants to read into that. And, well, I am Modoc, but, I mean, have you seen those legs? 
Although I, I think with Cap, it's at least partially like a hallucination from Superior's serum, like cure serum as well. Yeah, but I do want to point out that um, Hercules is like seventy percent as jacked as D-Man was. <laughs> he does not look fully shredded like like D-Man did. By the way, who does Hercules see? Yes, Hercules' l- long-known lost love, Taylor Madison. That's that's Mark Grunewald forgetting that not everyone reading this comic is Mark Grunewald. <laughs> we don't know who Taylor Madison is. Mark, is that from the Champions? What is that from? Red Skull. Champions. I would know it if it was from Champions. Uh, Red Skull finally hunts down Brennix, who he wants to take down. He's like, I, I, aim should be mine. Because I'm the Red Skull. And that's when Brandix finally reveals his deal, which is that he's the super adeptoid. He's been the super adeptoid this whole time. That's fun. I like the super adeptoid. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good reveal. Yeah. It's It's been a long building story. Because the whole thing about like what's Brannox's deal has been part of this book for several years at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, we finally find out that he's the super adeptoid. Uh, Falcon and Cap make their way into the compound, and then Cap's body gives out on him again. So it kind of seems like Superior's serum her cure uh did not fucking work jack flag and free spirit are being escorted out to their deaths by like versions of themselves like adaptoid versions of themselves who they then beat up and uh and they get out of there more red guardian uh black widow stuff that doesn't matter cap and falcon are attacked by Adaptoid versions of like Beetle, and I don't know who that other person is. Yeah, you wanna, you're probably gonna wanna become adaptoid versions of someone who can win. Good, point. I would say. Good point. I think that's well. That can't be the Wasp. It's is not there, the Wasp. Is there another Beetle? Yeah, maybe maybe there was another Beetle by this. Or Janice Lincoln. Yeah. Maybe. All that Falcon says is that they're lame lime adaptoids dressed out as decked out as super crims. Cause that is how people talk. But like Falcon has to like fight off the adaptoids, right? And so Jack Flag and Free Spirit tend to Captain America, who is totally incapacitated. That's when Superior and Snapdragon show up. And Free Spirit's like, you're not going to take Cap away. And she ends up fighting Snapdragon, who she does not know is Diamondback. Yeah. And that's when Superior's like, hey, so that serum I gave you, that cure I gave you, it was just a sample. I'm prepared to give you the full treatment, but you're going to have to give me something back. Like, I got to get something back in return. And Cap 
doesn't say anything. Show me the Modoc legs again. <laughs> uh, Snapdragon beats Free Spirit's ass. Just fucking goes at it. Yeah. Cap knows full well that this is Diamondback. Like, he knows from the way she moves, from her lips and nose, that this is not Snapdragon. This is Diamondback. And yeah, he's like, this is what Diamondback, is she- who has been training, not only training with Captain America, but, like, also with crossbones. Yes. Diamondback's uh, been through some shit. Diamondback's tough as hell. She Absolutely, yes. Um, but Cap's like, what's she doing working for Superior? And then the island starts to explode. Like, it is just going up completely. And Cap gets smashed with another uh, bit of, like, island laser. Uh, like, it, a beam goes through his chest, and everybody ends up, like, falling into a crater. And then, just kind of, like, out of nowhere, Cap is back in his armor. And coming up uh, on the real Modoc, who is asking him for help. A story we will not resolve, because we didn't read the Avengers parts of Taking Aim. <laughs> yeah. Visit your local library. Yes. Go read an issue of Avengers from 1995 if you want to know how that all turns out. Captain America number... Does this issue not have an issue number on the cover? <laughs> it's 442, but it does not. Uh, this is the uh, period where they moved the issue number to the UPC code. Oh, and the UPC uh, code is blacked and out. The UPC codes are not included in the versions that are on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, weird. Okay. Anyway, yeah, it's it's. I see it now that I'm looking at the UI of the page. It's Captain America number four hundred forty-two. Uh, still a busy cover, but not quite as busy. But it says stalked by the Angel of Death, and on the cover we see Captain America in his armor, in like at a haunted a, house. I don't well, know how many haunted houses have we seen in this fucking run. It's like a statue garden. Right, it's not a graveyard, but it's he's outside of a haunted house in a statue garden. One of the statues is of an angel because you know it's supposed to be creepy. This issue opens with a prologue where it's spelled P R O L O G without the U E at the end. Yeah, man. And I I know that that's technically an okay spelling of prologue, but it always looks weird to me. Yeah, but it does. It is attractively lettered. It is attractively lettered. The width of the text box, it's, it's got like a nice... It's good. It's, it is an attractively lettered word. Agreed. It's got a nice little gradient on it. Yeah. Good stuff. So, shout out to, uh, shout out to uh, Joe Rosen for lettering this, this ish. Yes. So uh, we open on Blitzkrieger... A character we have not seen in a while. Uh, but one of the German superheroes who was like, we're going to fucking ruin the skeleton crew. Uh, but what Blitzkrieger is doing right now is investigating someone who is murdering people with superhuman powers. But specifically in South America, yeah. which... 
there there's a connection between people who use the word blitzkrieg and south america that this comic really doesn't get into zeitgeist arrives and shows a blitzkrieger that there's been another killing but it's a uh, picture of it's a picture of him everybody's been killed and there's also they have found a polaroid <laughs> they found a polaroid of the dead body on the dead body right yeah which yeah. would not be like unusual cuz they just look like someone took a picture after they killed a person but what zeitgeist is showing blitzkrieger is a picture of himself and he's got a big smile on his face. So we know from page one of this issue who the murderer is. It's Zeitgeist. <laughs> like, there's no mystery here. It's Zeitgeist. And then on the next page, we get a splash page of... It's German Captain America, right? What is uh, his Hoffman name? Hoffman Deutschland. Hoffman Deutschland, that's right. Yeah. Holding Blitzkrieger's body and saying, Blitzkrieger, not you too! And uh, this issue title is Broad Stripes and White Stars, which you are right, Chris. Once you get too deep into the Star Spangled Banner lyrics, the titles get less exciting. (laughs) Also, I always thought it was Broad Stripes and Bright Stars. I think it is. Yeah. Let's see. I think this lyric from the Star Spangled Banner is wrong. Yeah, it's broad stripes and bright stars. Yeah, because it's because it's alliterative. Yeah, uh, you'll never guess what what Free and Jack are doing. They're working out, baby. And Captain America comes in and he goes, "Free Jack," which is <laughs> very funny. Free Spirit is doing the splits. On this page. And let me tell you what Dave Hoover loved to draw. Butts? He loved to draw a butt. Dave Hoover's like Mick Foley. He likes to put the butts in seats. But Cap just rolls in and he's like, hey, Free, hey, Jack. I just want to tell you both how, how good of a job you did on AIM Island. You know, I was knocked out, and you really did me a solid. And Free and Jack are like, no problem, Cap. We're happy to help. And Cap goes, well, you got some R&R time. Make sure to take some time to relax before our next mission. Get out of here, you two. And they're like, what do we do? Uh, Then we cut to the IRT line on the subway in New York and an unhoused gentleman on the subway uh, asks a swashbuckling looking character, a dude who's fully in a superhero costume. Yes. For some change. And the guy hands him a photo of himself and he says, what's this a picture of me? And the, Guy in the superhero costume says, a picture of your death, angel. And uh, the guy says, you recognize me then? Are you some old enemy? And he says, no, I'm a new enemy. 
And you have the honor of dying first, since you were the first costume crime fighter of the 1940s. And then he stabs him. Yeah, and then the guy uh, quibbles with him about it. Because the like, actual Golden Age Angel, Tom yeah. Halloway, was yeah. this guy's brother. And he's like, I, that's, that's my... I, I just filled in for him, filled in for him once. Dumbass. Imagine being stabbed in the stomach to your death and being t- telling the guy that it stabbed you that he's a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. This is this is uh Simon Halloway who didn't actually exist in the Golden Age, but he was in a like flashback story that ran in Marvel Comics Presents. Or not Marvel Comics Presents, it was uh one of the other anthology books. Cap goes to visit Arnie Roth at the hospital and they remember like radio shows and shit. They remember being old and they remember being like, old. Yeah. Artie's like, yeah, they had one guy who did the voice, but then they replaced him and it wasn't as good. They shouldn't just replace people, which is absolutely a commentary about things that were happening in comics at this time. Yeah. Where old versions of characters were being replaced by new versions of characters. And honestly, Mark, I got to quibble with you on this one. <laughs> Wait, do you, think, do you think that's what it's about? Or do you think it's about yeah. creators? Because I thought it was about creators. I, I think it might be about both. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to... So this would have been like, you know, we're well into the Kyle Rayner era at this point. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It might be about characters. It might be about creators. It's. I assume it's a it little hard to tell. Yeah, but they they have a moment where Cap's like telling Arnie to just just rest and uh, and yeah, and that's how that scene ends. Uh, then back at the Brooklyn Heights headquarters, and he lets Cap know about the angel getting stabbed on the subway, and then he gives Cap an invitation. That is, it might as well say, hey, hero from a long time ago, come to this party and you'll die. Here's an invitation to your death. Which is not unheard of to get in comics. That's true. Uh, But Cap's like, hmm, I should look into this. Meanwhile, Free Spirit and Jack Flag go to Central Park and they're like, I don't know. What the fuck should we do? <laughs> how how do you have fun? <laughs> but they are quickly interrupted by the sound of screaming caused by Madcap, a character we have not seen in a minute. We haven't seen that guy in a minute. And also none of what happens matters. They stop him. Yeah, he's got a bomb he strapped to him. He tries to blow himself up because you shouldn't blow yourself up, so he should because he's Madcap and he's wow, he, he does things weird. Madcap yeah. sucks. Madcap's the fucking pits. <laughs> he quotes the mask, which, you know, I get it. It's 1995. That's That was all the rage. True. But you know what? Somebody should have stopped him. He calls himself the King of Slackers, which seems 
very misinformed about what a slacker is. Yeah. The king of slackers would not be outside. No. They would be at home. Not strapping dynamite to themselves. Yeah. They'd be home Uh, watching dynamite. (laughs) Or at this time, Nitro. Wait, actually, this might predate Nitro. Yeah, I don't think we get Nitro until 96. WCW Saturday night. So Cap goes to this party. It's at a fancy, fancy mansion, which turns out to not actually be a haunted house. It's got that statue garden, but it's not actually a haunted house. It's a, it's a like fancy house that was owned by the original angel. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was owned by the original angel. You can see it in uh, that Netflix choose your own adventure story where the new day fights the undertaker. It's that house. <laughs> Yeah, it's that house exactly. Or in probably porn. They definitely filmed that in a porn mansion. He is Cap is immediately surrounded by old guys who are like, I knew you back in 41. I love this because these dudes are like like most gold like here's the thing about the golden age. After Superman, there were a lot of superheroes, and you don't know who most of them are. I don't know who most of them are. Jess Nevins doesn't know who most of them are because they they don't matter. None of them were good. The good ones you have heard of. The good ones were Captain America, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. That's it. But I love that there's like one guy who's like, Cap, Cap, I'm, I was Captain Terror. Remember, remember, I fought Nazis here. And one guy's like, Cap, I, I was the Thunderer. My name is Jerry Carstairs, which is a very Golden Age name. <laughs> They all like swarm cap and try to talk to him. And then they are interrupted by what appears to be Hauptmann Deutschland, who is like, you're all going to die here. And Cap's like, no, they're not. I love this because Hauptmann Deutschland goes, this is the day you'll all die. And then is this Zeitgeist pretending to be Hauptmann Deutschland? Or is Hoffman yes. Deutschland just bad at speaking English? Because I kind of read it as the second one. I kind of read it as him like trying to warn them, but he's not so good with English. It's it's Zeitgeist posing as Hoffman Deutschland. Okay. Is what it is. Because Captain America tries to chase after him and tries to envelop him in the Milex Shroud, but it doesn't work. This is the second time in a row the Milex Shroud didn't work. It only really worked the first time you used it. Yeah, and you know you got to put those Golden Age books in, in the Mylar. You got yeah. to. You, you oh, you CGC. Got to. So Cap like follows into like a room full of I don't know, mannequins or statues. It's hard to really tell. They're all like under glass. And he sees Hauptmann Deutschland in there and he throws a shield at him, and Hauptmann Deutschland is like, What the fuck? Why are you attacking me? And Cap's like, Well, cause you said everybody was gonna die. And then Captain America gets stabbed through the back with like a pirate sword, with like a fucking saber or a foil is really what that is. And it, he doesn't die because he's wearing armor. Not only is he wearing armor, but he's wearing armor that has an incredibly stupid property that we'll find out about in the next issue. Yes. So all the old guys show up upstairs. And they're like, you killed Captain America. How dare you? And 
I hope in Deutschland's like, I didn't do it. What do you mean? It wasn't me. Because by this point, Zeitgeist is now disguised as like the help. Like he's disguised as like a butler. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hauptmann Deutschland is like, no, 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 it wasn't me. Let me push you old guys aside and I'll find out who really did this. Yeah. And of course, these are all Golden Age Marvel characters. So you know they're like, hey, we do not like dudes in outfits that look like German flags. Yeah. Not even this one. Not even the one no. that you're dressed up in. That's right. But so Captain America a gets up and a reasonable thing to wear. Yeah. Captain America gets up and he's fine. And he sees the guy dressed up like a butler holding a sword. And he goes, drop the sword. I'll go easy on you. But then uh, he transforms again. And Hauptmann Deutschland is standing in front of me and standing in front of him. And he's like, zeitgeist, I presume. I knew it was you the whole time. And then he directs Zeitgeist's th- sword thrust back at himself. Yeah, that is. So he's he stabs himself. I do kind of like that. Hauptmann Deutschland's power is this like has you know Captain America is like a super soldier. Hauptmann Deutschland has a completely unrelated power. Yeah, he can redirect anything that would come at him. He can like redirect it back at the person who tries to get him. So like when, when all the old guys rush him, he like kind of just redirects their own tackles back at them. And that is apparently his only power, which is kind of great that that dude is just like, I have a superpower and I do love my country and I do want to fuck up Nazi war criminals. I'm trying to think if there's a way to like interpret that as a way of representing Germany. Uh, I mean, like, he, he he can create some kind of Berlin Wall. <laughs> That's got to be the wall, brother. That's got to be the wall, brother. But I mean, like, he was created like after the the wall was down, right? Like, we're we're in a in the era of a reunited Germany by now. Yeah, ninety five. Yeah, and he shows I, up not too long ago. Yeah, I th- there's got to be some kind of way to interpret Hauptmann Deutschland's power as being related to like a view of Germany at this time, like turning the evil power of other places against them or something against themselves or something like that. Maybe if there's something we're missing, let us know. Cause I would yeah. be, I would be curious to know like what Grimwald's thought process was on this. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it was just, you know, he thought of a cool power to give this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I do, if it is just that, I do like that. It's just that. Yeah, I think that's fun. Uh, anyway, Hauptmann Deutschland at the end of this is like, hey, this is my fault. He was on my team. Uh, I basically allowed this to happen, and it shouldn't have happened. And Captain America is like, uh, you know, I knew it was him too. <laughs> I, I fought him back when he was called Everyman. But I don't know where he got that camera that can see the future. <laughs> Never explained. <laughs> Oh, it's a it's a Mexican magical realism camera. <laughs> this story uh, will be resolved in uh, in Akewood in twelve twelve years. They, they, then they try to psychoanalyze him for a panel, and it's very funny because Hammond Deutsch is like, "Was he insane? What was he trying to do?" 
And Captain America goes, apparently he believed that the existence of superhumans somehow made a mockery of the achievement of, of the ordinary man. He wouldn't have been satisfied until he had eliminated us all. He never said anything like that at all. Nope. Captain America is just coming up with a reason. Yeah, Captain America has some knowledge that exists outside the scope of this comic. <laughs> all right, here we, here we go, Matt. Here we go. The final issue of the Mark Grunewald run on Captain America. Once again, no issue number on the cover, but it is number 443. Uh, And quite a design on this cover. Captain America, shot from above, standing on an American flag, like stretched out American flag. At the other end of the American flag is an hourglass. And the rest of the cover is just all black. And then over on the side is the caption, Cap has learned he has 24 hours left to live, so how should he spend it? And the issue title is on the cover here. It's Twilight's Last Gleaming. We open with Cap, like, down in an alley. And I don't know if we ever find out what caused him to be in this position. Uh... Yeah, it's he's it's nefarious. It's nefarious. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So he's like beaten up in an alley, and Black Crow, who we saw Falcon talking to a couple issues ago, is like, "Hey, uh, your buddy Falcon asked me to heal you, but actually, all I'm going to tell you is that you have twenty hours, twenty four hours left to live." Bye. <laughs> yeah, I I had a vision. It said your heart would stop and you would die in 24 hours. Peace out. So Cap tracks down Nefarious and stops him. He doesn't. And then, no. he, I actually like this because he's like going after him. And then he's like, he tries to get him with some of his like gimmicks that he's got. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm about to die. The Avengers can handle Nefarious. He sucks. Yeah. He is not actually my problem. Like, which is very antithetical to what I would consider the spirit of Marvel Comics, but Cap is right. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot that he was like, oh, the Avengers could take care of Nefarious, who cares? Yeah, he literally goes, he's not my responsibility just because I was the first one here. And so he says, yeah. As far as we know, Nefarious does not go on to uh, conquer the world. True. Uh, so Cap's like, I got 24 hours left. Let's just make the most of it. So first he goes to his headquarters in Brooklyn Heights, and he sees Jack Flag and Free Spirit. And they're like, hey, Cap, you you look weird. What's going on? And, uh, and Cap's like, I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, and then he just he keeps walking through the headquarters, and he tells everybody he sees, meet me in the Situation Room in five minutes. Then he goes to his bedroom, he looks through some old pictures, finds a picture of Sharon Carter, uh, and remembers how she's dead. Uh, This is where we find out that, like, in Cap's bedroom, uh, he has has a drafting table, which I think is fun. He has a cot. Like, my dude sleeps on a cot. Which is wild. Yeah. Uh, He has, uh, like, what's on his walls? That's right. He has an American flag and a fair, a framed picture of Bucky Barnes. That's right. 
Yes. In costume. Not a picture of James Buchanan Barnes. A picture of Bucky, the the sidekick of Captain America. With his domino mask on. With his domino mask on. Yeah. (laughs) Very. He's a weird dude, is old Captain America. Weird dude. So, he gets the stuff he needs from his bedroom. He goes back to meet Jack Flag and Free Spirit and Fabian and uh, Moon Hunter, who are all gathered. And he says, hey, uh, so I've had a premonition of my death, which is not true. He was told about a premonition of his death. Yeah, but it's there's a lot to explain. Yeah, it's true. And he says, uh, I got 24 hours left to live, and so here's everything you need to know to keep my emergency hotline going. So please keep it going. Uh, here's Here's the documents you need to be able to do that. Here's my passwords. I've written them down on a sheet of paper. I am 60 years old. Yeah. And uh, and Free Spirit's like, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Is there nothing we can do about this? Can, can we not, like, keep you alive? And Cap just tells her, no, there's nothing you can do. I have to go see other people now. And he's he's gone. He's Classic out dick move. <laughs> Captain. So he's like, okay, well, how am I going to spend my time? Should I go after the Red Skull? Should I go try to find Diamondback? Should I go after Superior or Crossbones? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Superior might even be dead. So that's just going to be a waste of time. I'll go see Crossbones in prison, though. I really actually like this scene. This is my favorite scene. Well, this is not my favorite scene in the issue for reasons that will be obvious in a second. But it's one of my favorite scenes that Grunewald has written. Um, I love Crossbones as a character. Like I, I, I do not like him as a person, but he's a he's a very good character because he is the kind of character that I like. Which is a like I a long time ago I grew tired of villains with nuance. <laughs> I just want dudes who are like this guy's a real piece of shit. Uh, if there's if there's anyone you can describe as being in it for himself, yeah. it's Crossbones. It's fucking Crossbones, a huge and unrepentant piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, and I like this because Cab goes Crossbones and he's like, hey, look, you've been in jail for a, a while. Red Skull's doing some weird shit that I can't, like, is way more than you've done with him. He clearly doesn't think you're worth saving, or he would have done it already. He would have busted you out. You know that. So listen, I have always believed that the reason I don't kill people is that I believe everyone is redeemable. There's good in everyone, and I want to give them the chance to embrace that, no matter how bad they are. So Crossbones... Who is allowed to wear his mask in regular-ass prison, by the way. He's specifically not in the raft. He's at regular-ass prison. He's in his full costume. There's just a prison uniform over it. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I told these guys that I had it surgically attached to my face and they believed it. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's a guard standing right there. But uh, Cap's like, look. You are not a good dude. But I have to believe there's good in you because I have to believe there's good in everyone. So please, 
can you be a decent person? Like, can no one I've ever fought has ever actually turned their life around. I just want one of you to be a good person and decide to be a good person. Which, by the way, is not true. Diamondback. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, Cap. The fucking Scarlet Witch. Quicksilver. But but I get what he's saying. He's like, can you be a good person? And Crossbone's like, fuck no! <laughs> well, uh, basically... Cap's like, what do you love? Just tell me something you love. Have you ever loved anything? Your mother, a childhood pet, anything. And Crossbone goes, yeah, I love to hate. And then he just laughs. Love haters will be coming back in Crossbone's podcast. <laughs> Crossbone definitely has an alpha male podcast. Oh, boy, does he? The guy he? that has never won a fight. He's all about how you can you can make money with a side hustle where the 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 where, by uh, getting people to record audiobooks for you. Is that is that a thing? That is a that is a scam that people have been doing uh, for quite some time. Where like, yeah, I won't get into the whole thing. There's a Dan Olson video about it that you can watch. Amazing. So Cap leaves there, and he's like. Okay, have I ever changed anybody's life? Like, have I done anything to help anybody? Maybe uh, I'll go check in on Bertie Rosenthal. And so he does, and she's like arguing a case in front of a you know a court. And he says, "I wonder if I helped her at all, or if she had just done this if we had never even met. I don't know." It's a lot of self doubt from Captain America. In it this is, issue. It, and it's kind of like a. It's it's weird to see, like you talked about reading like the Mark Wade run, and it's weird to see the differences between Mark Wade's characterization of Cap and Mark Grunewald's characterization of Cap after ten years writing the character. Yeah, and there's a lot of like doubt, like self doubt in Grunewald's Cap, which is like that's kind of the theme of his run, right? Like going back to. Him quitting being Captain America. There's yeah. a lot of self-doubt and a lot of wondering if he's doing the right thing. Which is interesting, because that's not the way a lot of people take Captain America. That's it's, true. It's it's a much the, more introspective yeah. Cap than than other writers have made him. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, well, maybe I'll call Falcon. So he calls Falcon, and he's like, hey, Sam, how you doing? And Falcon goes, not good, Cap. One it's of my nice. nephews got shot. This is the worst thing that Cap does in this run. He says, sorry to hear that, Sam. Gotta go. <laughs> literally. Literally. Sam, Steve, how you doing? Not good, Steve. Well, I was off on your AM Island caper. One of my nephews was shot. Sorry to hear that, Sam. Well, you take care, okay? That's it. That's it. And then the next... Uh, narrative caption from Cap is I could tell by his voice that he was a bit peeved with me yeah no shit Cap I mean look this might be the worst thing Captain America does in the run it might be the worst thing Mark Grunewald wrote in the run also yeah that's the thing why would you do that like why would you write this exchange I don't know why he Mark because Mark Grunewald could have written anything 
literally anything. Well, it's like, I, I mean, look, I'm not saying that this is what Mark Grunewald thought writing this. But the implication is, okay, Sam Wilson is black. He lives in Harlem. Obviously, a young black man that he knows is going to get shot. And on the one hand, still relevant. If he said he was shot by a cop, I'd be like, powerful. But the implication here is he was shot, like, you know, in gang violence or something like that. Yeah, I don't... And I don't know. I don't know... I don't think there was a Falcon series happening. Like, and there's no footnote in what we've got. So, like, I don't know if there's... I don't know where any other piece of this story happened. Other than it just being this weird thing in this one panel of Captain America. When... Like, Sam Wilson has, like, the closest relationship to Cap of anybody in this book, and I am including Bernie Rosenthal and Diamondback in that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, they were, they were partners. The book was called Captain America and the Falcon for a while. Like, those two characters should have, like, if Captain America is facing his death, Sam Wilson should have more screen time than Free Spirit. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, you know, Sam Wilson has remained extremely important. Like, he is a Captain America now. Yeah. He, and, like, yeah. That's, that's how close they are as characters. I don't know. It's weird. It's, 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 it feels obligatory for Steve to talk to Sam. And it feels very weird that this is the conversation they have. And for Cap to just be like, well, all right, bye. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up, honestly. Like, he doesn't, like, could he be like, oh my god, Sam, what happened? Or, or even like, hey, Sam, I hate to add on to the bad news. Well, I mean, like, wouldn't it make sense for Captain America to be like, okay, what better way to spend some of my last... 24 hours than comforting my friend. Yeah. Like, or, or like, Hey, d- do you need help? Like, can I, you know, we were promised a couple issues ago that cap wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. That is clearly not the case. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, it's- instead we get another really interesting relationship that's explored, which I do like a lot. I just feel like it should not have happened at the expense of Sam Wilson getting the shortest of shrift. True. So Cap goes and visits Arnie Roth, who has really gone downhill uh, since we last saw him. He's on like a ventilator. And he like just talks to Arnie, who can't talk back. And he says, thank you for being such a good friend to me. He kisses him on the forehead and says, see you soon. And basically, as soon as Cap walks out of the room, Arnie dies. We see his heart monitor and it just goes to a line. Uh, so that's that. That's that's another death that happens in this issue. Hey, have you um, have you been wondering what's up with Ram's hot mom? Yeah, have you? Also, Ram looks like he's twenty five now. Ram has Ram has aged. Ram does not look dissimilar to a young Matt Wilson that I met <laughs> all those years ago in North Carolina. <laughs> It's true. I, I've secretly been rammed the whole time. 
Ram is sitting on the front steps of his house and Captain America goes to meet him. Ram, if you don't remember, was like the first kid who helped run Captain America's hotline. And Ram is clearly distraught and Captain America's like, what's wrong, Ram? And Ram says, when my mom was driving to church, she stopped at a light. Someone got into her car at gunpoint and made her drive to a country road and shot her in the head. It's okay, though. She's still alive. She's in a coma. That's maybe the wildest choice in this comic book, is that Ram's mom... Margaret Mob wants us to wrap up, like, wants to make sure that he wraps up Ram's story by having his mother get shot in the head at random. Access memory, that is. That's right. R.A.M. And Cap's reaction to this is to be like, yeah, sometimes things suck. He does try to, like, talk him up. Like, Ram gets more than Sam Wilson got. He gets more than Sam Wilson got. I just try, like, sometimes stuff like that happens, and it's it's awful, Ram, but, like, you, I just try to, like, keep going, and, and Ram's like, hey, fuck you, Cap. Which, honestly, yeah. kind of on Ram's side here. Yeah, Ram's like, you're a hero, bring her back. And Cap's like, I can't. There's There's nothing I can do now. And maybe, he just says, know, maybe okay, get her uh, a fucking neural interface and a suit of armor. Cap, there's yeah. clearly some shit you can do. Finally, he's just like, okay, I'll leave. Uh, sorry. And he leaves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head out. I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I go. Cap goes back to Avengers Mansion. He feels terrible. He doesn't feel like he's ever helped anyone. And he goes to his room, and Peggy interrupts with a holographic projection and says, someone's here to see you, and it turns out to be Batroc. George Batroc. And Leaper. George Batroc, yes. Is this how you treat all your guests, mon capitaine? <laughs> Is that metal armor you are wearing? He does not become you. Uh, Batrock informs Cap that there's a guy in South America killing a bunch of costumed oh, heroes. Yeah, it's it's the it's one of the characters who was mentioned as being killed by Zeitgeist was Machete from Batrock's Brigade. Yeah. yeah. So Cap's like, and "Hey, Cap- I heard you took care of that. He was actually my friend, so I owe you one." Yeah. Uh, and Cap's like, "No, you don't owe me one. I was just." doing what I was supposed to do. And Batrock's like, let me buy you a drink, at least. And Cap's like, no, I don't have time. And Batrock's like, hey, what's with the uniform change? What's going on? And Cap's like, look, just leave me alone and go mourn your friend. And Batrock goes, you're mourning something too. Let's mourn together. Like, Batrock is clearly trying to make a connection with Captain America. Yeah. And And Cap's like, like, is this guy trying to... Are you messing with me? (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Cap's like, okay, fine. Come inside. 
and we'll have a cup of tea. So they sit down and they have a cup of tea next to the bust of Namor. (laughs) As we all have in our tea nook. And they sit and they talk and they have tea for a while. And Captain starts to kind of open up to him and he says, I feel like I've never, I haven't done anything. Like everything I've done has been for nothing. And and Batroc's like, well, tomorrow is another day, right? And Cap goes, no, I'm dying tonight. I have a condition that's going to make me die. Oh, that's uh, that's rough, buddy. And Batroc says, look, uh, is there something I can do for you? And Batroc... And and Captain America just says, no one I've ever fought has ever reformed. The world needs heroes now more than ever. Which, again, he's wrong, because Diamondback. Diamondback. But, but as far as he knows, Diamondback is just working with Superior now. I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's it, why he's so bummed out. I hope Quicksilver, who was in the Avengers at the time, was not walking by. Like, <laughs> being like, hey, man. Or Hawkeye. For that. Or Hawkeye. Cap has inspired a group of people to, to go straight and become heroes. Uh, but Cap and Batroc end up talking for hours. And he's like, ah, oh, maybe Batroc was just humoring me. But I'm just going to lie down. I'm just going to lie down for a minute. So he, he gets in a bed, which is not his bed, because we've seen his bed, and it does not look like this. We've seen his cot. Yes. He, well, that, so he lies no, down. That was actually that was his bed at the uh at, at the costume shop. This is his bed at Avengers oh. Mansion. I guess maybe this is where he actually sleeps. Okay. So uh he he lays down and uh and rests his eyes for a moment cuz he's like I can't go to sleep. I I can do that once I'm dead, but, but I'm just going to lay here for a second. And then Jarvis walks in. And he's like, uh, Master Steve, he lies so still. I must get help. I don't think he's breathing. And the Avengers come in, and all that's left in the bed is Captain America's armor, like he's been raptured. And they look out the window, which has been opened, and they see an eagle. And they go, what has happened to Captain America? Does his disappearance mark the end of an era? And that's it. That's it. Except for one thing. Which is that we get a letter to the uh, reader from Mark Grunewald in this issue. And he says that he, you know, he's written uh, 137 Captain America stories. Uh he mentions that's 127 more than Cap's co-creator Joe Simon wrote, 112 more than Jack Kirby wrote, and 52 more than Stan Lee wrote. Uh, and 102 more than the two other longest-lasting writers on Captain America, Jim DeMattis and Steve Englehart. That's wild. Yeah, this this is probably the longest, still the longest run anybody's ever had on Captain America. Absolutely, yeah. I think... Like, all told, I think 
Brubaker doesn't even come close. But Brubaker was on the book probably the longest since. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one of the things that he mentions is that, like, because there had been not been, like, a long-running consistent writer, that, you know, Captain America felt like he didn't have a lot of direction. So he really wanted to shore up Cap's, like, personal life, which I think comes through in the book. A lot of Diamondback, we get, like, he's always got relationships with sidekicks, you know, D-Man. Um, yeah. When he's riding around with Nomad and D-Man and and Falcon, all the way up through Jack Flag and Free Spirit. Ram, whose hot mom is in a coma. Mm-hmm. The other thing that he says he wants to do, and this is something you and I noted, he wanted to make sure Captain America had more villains. He says that he thinks a solo hero needs at least 12 villains because you've got to be able to have someone different in every issue for a year. So you need 12 good villains. Yeah. So Mark Grunewald, his parting gift over the last couple of years of this run, villain after villain. <laughs> all these new characters, all these new dudes. And... And I love that because, like, you know, obviously that starts early on, right? Serpent Society, Diamondback, uh, uh, fucking Flag Smasher, yeah. John Walker, the Watchdogs. Like, he connects them all to to Red Skull. Scourge. Scourge, yeah. Like, we, yeah. But we get so much from, from this, which I think is really great. Yeah, I mean... He he essentially says he wants to leave the book in better shape than he found it. Yeah. And despite our gripes about certain choices, I think he succeeded. I I think he absolutely succeeded. Uh, yeah. I think... Here's the thing. This run goes on for 10 years. It's 137 issues. Yeah, I looked it up, and Brubaker's run was 8 years. Yeah. So it got close, but it it did not match the length of the Grunewald run. Yeah, I mean, like post, like post two thousand, the longest run you're going to get on anything is is Bendis and Bagley. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On on Ultimate on Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. But the book goes through its ups and downs. It doesn't start off all that strong. It doesn't end as strong as it could. This issue, for being the last issue of a 10-year run on Captain America, is weird, especially because it ends in, like, no, like nothing is resolved. We, no, he's, I don't know he's, what happened to Ram's mom. Yeah, I mean, he's still doubting himself by the end of the issue, right? Yeah. Like, and, and then just his body's gone. He, he gets no reassurance. It's a, it's a really, it's a whimper to end on. It is. Yeah. And it's, it allows Mark Wade and Ron Garney to come on and really like, you know, like the story is called Operation Rebirth because Captain America, spoiler warning, Captain America gets the powers back, but it's also called Operation Rebirth. Well, it's also called Operation Rebirth because that's the name of the experiment that created a Captain America, but it's also like, it is a sea change in tone. It is. Oh. You're not kidding. So different. 
this is going to sound much worse than I mean for it to. Mark Wade comes in and makes Captain America a dumb action book. Now, by the time he comes back after Heroes Reborn for Heroes Return, it's not so much a dumb action book anymore. It's it's more kind of cerebral and measured, right? But f- for that like burst of the original Wade Guardy run, where fucking Bill Clinton is a pallbearer for Captain America at one point, it it's purely becomes a dumb action book where Sharon Carter is alive again with no explanation. She's brought Steve back for a secret mission she can't explain to him, and she's like, "Don't ask questions. Let's just fuck people up." That's what the earliest parts of that Wade Garney run are. And it is, you're not kidding, such a huge change in tone. Yeah. Like, and then even when Red Skull shows back up, he's a different guy. Yeah. And there's there's a reason for that. And Operation Rebirth is really good. Uh but then like after that you get Man Without a Country, which yeah. was my first Captain America story that I read like after like as an adult, not as an adult, I was like, what, 14? But like, I, I, had read so, I had read some Kirby issues when I was a little kid that I got in like a box of comics and they scared me. So this was my return to Captain America because I liked Mark Wade on Flash. And like, that's a story where Captain America gets kicked out of America, which isn't even like, it's it's a riff on on the the kind of you know nomad the captain sort of story but it's very much like it reads like mission impossible in the marvel universe you know yeah it's, what what that early part of the wade run really feels like and really reads like is like wade trying to do captain america as a Mission Impossible or other kind of like spy story. It's it's like Captain America as spy action. Yeah. There's definitely like a spy action feel to it. Which is not like it's not bad either. No. Like the the Mark Wade Ron Garney run on Captain America is good. Man Without a Country is a really good story. Fucking Doctor Doom's in it. Uh and it's, you know, as we've said before, it's Mark Wade who can write a passable comic. Literally, I would say, with his eyes closed, he could sit down and write a passable comic book script. Yeah. Give him his eyes, but put one hand behind his back. It'll take him, like, 20 minutes, and he'll write you a good one. Give him both hands and his eyes, he'll write you a great one. Uh, and is still doing it. But he would on Captain America is very much that always find a way, never give up, uh, you know, hero Captain America that I think people... You know, if you read the Busick and Perez Avengers, if you, you know, if you read Brubaker's Captain America with, with Steve Epting, like it's much more of that guy than the square who doubts himself that we get in a lot of the the, the square who's kind of an asshole who doubts himself. Yeah, uh, I would argue that the second half or the second part of the Wade Garney run, the Heroes Return, post Heroes Reborn part of the way Garney run is better 
partially because I noticed that the lettering in these issues, like pre Heroes Reborn, is weirdly bad. That's interesting to me because I always think of that stuff as being the dumber action movie or stuff. Oh, I not a complaint. Yeah, I like that part of the run more, partially because I have more nostalgia for it. I think, mm-hmm. but uh, and it's kind of it's kind of Mark Wade and Ron Garney doing the real Captain America, whereas yeah. their stories before Heroes uh, Heroes Reborn is weirdly like, okay, we've got to get him back after the armor stuff. We've got to reset him. And then we do man without a country where that's a big, you know, Captain America goes rogue story. And then we have to end it real quick because heroes are born is happening. Yeah. And then there's that one weird epilogue issue. And then Captain America dies fighting onslaught. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. How, it's also interesting how much Bill Clinton is in those Mark Wade issues. <laughs> they did the comics in the nineties love to like put, here's what's fucking wild. Talk about Sam Wilson getting short shrift. Captain America's pallbearers that we see in, uh, Captain America 445. Yeah. Right. When we see his funeral are Bill Clinton, Jack Monroe, I think, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Black Widow and Quicksilver, Ben Grimm, and I don't know who this last guy is. <laughs> maybe, maybe Hawkeye. It sure ain't Falcon. It sure ain't Falcon. It sure ain't Nick Fury. Yeah. It sure ain't Peggy Carter or Jack Flag or Fabian <laughs> or Zach Moonhunter. Yeah, Jack Jack Flag and Free Spirit might as well not exist anymore. Yeah, we like that is a thing that I I, I don't think I I would never think of like Mark Wade as a I, I always kind of think of it as like a weirdly disrespectful thing to kind of like throw away somebody's supporting cast. And I don't think of Mark Wade as like a disrespectful creator, you know, like he clearly like has the way that he thinks things should be done, but it's not like he's, you know, he does not strike me as someone who usually goes around ignoring other people's work, much like Mark Grunewald is kind of the opposite. But boy, we do we do not see Moon Hunter, Jack Flag, or Free Spirit again. They do not appear in this comic. Or Fabian. Or Fabian. They are gone. And like I said, Red Skull, you know, there's a whole like twist where Red Skull is originally working with Cap and then turns on him, because of course he does. Yeah. Uh, once he gets the cosmic cube again, but he, Red Skull is like t- totally different when he shows up in the Wade Run. Yeah, like it's it's a really interesting. It's I don't feel like a new run on a comic that wasn't a new number one would be this different now. You know, I, I mean, if Marvel was doing this now, this would be a new number one issue. And not a continuation of what was before. Uh, but it's interesting. It's really interesting how much things change from that Grunewald run into the Wade run. Yeah. it's Folks, do you know the next time we see Jack Flag? I think? I'm pretty sure it's the next time we see Jack Flag. That motherfucker's in space, 
and joins the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think you're right. I, in fact, I I will verify this on the Marvel Wiki. I'm I'm sure he appears somewhere else, but like that's that's the next time I saw him. Oh, he was in Thunderbolts. Oh, okay, that's a good place. He was him. in two issues. He was in two issues of Thunderbolts. Uh, I think it was the Jeff Parker run on Thunder. Nope, it was the Warren Ellis run on Thunderbolts. Uh. But then, immediately after that, he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, 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 bud. That's that's where Jack Flag goes. Free Spirit missing in action. I yeah, wish she went back to college, got her degree. Yeah, I mean, she got expelled, but she could go to community college. Uh, all right, that's that's it. We're yeah. done with Groonies. Oh, here's here's what I'll say. It starts off rough. It ends with a whimper. In the middle, there's good stuff, and there's also some of the best that Captain America has ever been. Agreed. Cap 350 is the fucking shit. That's why we made it an entire episode. Yeah. It is I the mean, pinnacle. That's of why the we run. made it this entire series, because we kind of just wanted to read the Kieran Dwyer stuff. Yeah, the Kieran, Kieran Dwyer is an artist who has clearly kind of just like done his own stuff a lot of time in his career. Like, you know, lowest comic denominator was his indie series that he clearly devoted a lot of time and energy and love into. But his like superhero runs on stuff. This made me wish that Kieran Dwyer had done more just straight-up superhero comics. Because he's done a handful of runs on a handful of books. I don't think he's ever done a run longer than his Captain America run, though. I don't think so, yeah. Like, he's done a bit of Avengers. I remember those Avengers issues he drew that were great. Uh like he did a little bit of Superman, he did a little bit of uh X-Men, he did a little bit of uh action comics, but I don't think that he ever had a superhero run longer than this one. Yeah. Uh, which for is sure. which is a shame. He's good as hell. Yeah. Uh for those of you who aren't aware of the timeline uh, I'm just we'll go through this real quick because it is it's it's sad. Wade does about a year on this book, then uh, onslaught happens, and then this is apocryphal. And I I I feel like it's usually brought up by people in the context of being a dick to Rob, but apocryphally, Captain America number one by Rob Liefeld and Jeff Loeb. Uh, like the had just come back from the printers and Grunwald picked it up and left the Marvel offices on, you know, Friday afternoon and then died. So it's like a year after this, that he's gone, uh, which is wild to think about. He was not that old, uh, despite a long career in comics. Uh, but it's this series ended and then so did Mark Grunwald. Which I think yeah, is more or less 
it's it's tragic, but there is like a kind of there is a kind of poetry to that. I think, uh, not not enough to outweigh the tragedy of losing someone that I think wrote a story better than Watchmen. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. R.I.P. To, to Mark Grunewald, who did a one of the defining runs of Marvel Comics, you know, for better or for yeah. worse. I, I just want to reiterate how much like we've we've expressed some gripes about this run. We've expressed gripes about certain story beats or elements or things that seem like regressive or that wouldn't fly in comics today. But we love this run and we love these comics and we love Mark Grunewald. Oh, absolutely. We want to make that abundantly clear. When it's bad, it's still pretty readable. There's never been a week where I've been like I've been leery of reading stuff like the Superior Stratagem, but there's never been a week when we were going to do Grunies that I was like not looking forward to it. Yeah. And when it's good, it is legitimately some of the best Marvel comics that have ever been published. Like, and and if you, you if you need evidence, just look at the links of these episodes. Yeah, because <laughs> we we I'm going as quickly as I can through these issues. Oh, and oh, wow, real comfy here under the bus. No, no, no. I'm saying I, I want to talk about them too. Like I'm going as quickly as I can through it, and they still end up being two hour plus episodes. Yeah. Because we want to talk about them so much, and there's so much to talk about, and they're so fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, uh, so no, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm I'm trying to say that we can't help ourselves from kind of going on about these comics. Absolutely. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this this series here on the show. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to it. If you did, let us know because we do want to we do want to take some jerkies, some jerky some jer- some journeys into mystery. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're going to. It, it doesn't it, matter what you say. We're going to do it. It doesn't matter if you want us to. We are going to do that regardless. But it would be nice to know that you liked it. That's true. And we have to end the episode now because we've gone way over time. Yeah. If you want to email us, get in touch with us, talk to tell us if you liked the Groonies, uh, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at warrocketpod, and we're on Tumblr at uh, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. If you want to contribute to the show and help us out, because we didn't do the uh, Patreon segment earlier, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kick in as little as a dollar a month to make sure that we keep doing this show every week and all other associated War Rocket Ajax shows and Movie Fighters and Snacks situation. If you want to join our Discord, you can ask us for an invitation on any of the places I just mentioned. Twitter, email, Tumblr, or Patreon. Uh, and we'll get you an invitation to get over there to our Discord and join the community there. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. Warrocketwiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could need about War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at mattdwilson.net. That's where you'll find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website and has links to everything that I do. We will be back next week with a guest. So come back for that. Yeah.
Come back, everybody. Hey, we're, we're done talking about these Muggle Cats in America. Come back. Come back. <laughs> or come back and listen to more when we journey into mystery, because we will be doing that. With a, with a you. With you. With a you. Journey. But also with you. And also with you. Wait, that's... <laughs> fuck. What? That's a different podcast. It's a different show. Goodbye, everybody. Don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops, they're not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Stay on, as every breed of mongrel...